what I'm about to say. Hey. I thought you were starting. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is Shelby. And this is Courtney. And thanks for joining us today on All Things Macabre. Here on All Things Macabre, we discuss all the things under the topic of odd, weird, true crime, supernatural, and fiction. This podcast contains language and content that is not suitable for all listeners, so listener discretion is advised. If you find a topic we are discussing interesting, we encourage you to do some research on your own. You never know what you may learn. We are just a couple of old friends telling each other stories that we find interesting. And hoping that you'll enjoy and laugh along with us. Through some stories that are weird, true, or fictional that will just make you say, what the fuck? And now, for the fun part. Hey, Macabre Mob. Hi, guys. It's Shelby. I'm Courtney. And welcome today to episode 12. I don't know. 11, 12, 13? It's 12. 12. Yes. Courtney is finally back with her own story. Finally. So, have you been? Okay. I'm better. Better. You drove down here. I did. I'm occasionally, you know, having a few setbacks, but for the most part, I'm doing a lot better. It's like normal again. Yeah. How are you though? I've I've been picking on you. I think since you woke up this morning, I haven't given you a break. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good because I was right. Oh my god. <laughs> Tina decided to juice for a week, and we had a bet on how much weight she would lose. And I was right, and you and her were wrong. I still call for a rematch because we've already established your house is not level. Yeah. Well. Uh, the scale was set to zero whenever she stepped on it. Excuses. <laughs> it's not level. Take her out there in the road and have her stand. Now she get hit by some one or shot. <laughs> I don't live in the best of areas. <laughs> I still want a rematch. I don't. I don't know. I just don't like saying that you're right. Yeah, because I usually am. Shut up. <laughs> because I usually am. Well, you can't help it. Would I know you? a lot of useless information. It pays off sometimes. <laughs> like whenever you want to sit in front of a microphone and have everybody listen to you talk about, you know... Ramble on about useless information. You're like the history teacher in high school that acts like they know everything and they just keep rambling on about whatever topic that they want to discuss that day. I guess that's a fair evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> You would you could have been like a football coach or something. I probably could have been, but no. <laughs> I was thinking more like a soccer person or you softball. Know, I played I played soccer and softball See? and baseball. <laughs> then I did color guard, so I did a whole three sixty there. And that's when we met. Yeah, and the rest is history. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how I got carpal tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what my excuse is. <laughs> I I mean, speaking of, though, you know, you, since you wanted to bring up the fact that you're right, then I have to get some type of equal, you know, landing with you standing. I don't know. I can't even talk today. I was just, I said I was going to bring up the fact that you attempted to fix your closet. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, first of all, this house was built in 1943, and I think that might have been the last time maintenance was done on it. <laughs> Which is why I asked for a rematch on Tina getting weighed. But, you know, anyway. You, was it last week, told me that you're... It was about two weeks ago, my closet rod and shelf just fell in. (laughs) And it landed all my clothes all over everything in the bottom of the closet. I looked at it, and I just shut it. (laughs) And I said, I'm not going to deal with it right now. Adulting at its finest. Yes. So I finally dealt with it. Last night, <laughs> two weeks later, <laughs> I pulled the clothes out of there a week ago, but <laughs> so finally last night, I decided to put the rod back up 
<laughs> and I got Tina to hold it, and at some point it decided to fall before I got her to hold it, so I, like, knocked it with a hammer to try to get it back into the spot. And then we heard a loud crash, and I was like, oh, it was probably a body or something in the wall. <laughs> Which, of course, she was like, oh, shit, what if there really is? <laughs> but, no. We found out this morning it was not a body in the wall. It was the closet on the other side doing the same thing. <laughs> so now I gotta go fix that closet, and Courtney thinks as soon as I fix that one, this one's gonna fall. And that's why I keep laughing, because... <laughs> Bless your heart, you try to fix everything, and you try to make everything look nice, but, you know, we've established before that pictures Ugh. look like they're not straight. Literally, the house the is crooked. Like, it'll be seven feet on one side and six feet ten inches on the other. <laughs> like, I'm not exaggerating. I can measure this. I have put a level up on a door frame before to show how unlevel the entire house is. Yeah. Which was why I'm using that to back up my argument. That and you got this chair. Zero gravity chair. (laughs) It's a zero gravity chair that I got from work for Christmas. (laughs) It is a nice chair, though. It is. Which I think... Thank you, Teresa, for the trade. I'll admit I'm somewhat jealous, so that's why I gotta give her shit about it. Well, you tried to show off your new fancy chair to me today by telling me, It has a table. Let me show you what it does. Well, you said it was like a recliner almost. It was as good as a recliner almost. And I was like, oh, it is. Look, it's got a table with a cup holder. It Damn took you thing. how long? I don't know. It was, it was a little out of whack for some reason. You got an I finally got it on, but... She really got an ab workout this morning trying to fix the table. I tried to fix it, and the chair would try to lean back, so I'm laying back trying to fix it, trying to sit up at the same time. I couldn't help it. I, 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 I'm I an asshole. If you, It's still a nice chair, though. If you're forever friends with me, then you know I'm an asshole. That's how we are, though. Well... Now that you're back in true asshole form, you've got a great story for us, don't you? About a great A asshole. Yes. Which uh, totally nothing like you, though. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no. I'm a sarcastic this, asshole. There's yeah, a this, this bitch is, what, a spoiled asshole? Manipulative, lying. I know a little bit about it. I've known a little bit about it. It's not the most popular story, though. Yeah, it's really not, honestly. So, I'm interested to hear more details on it. I got to turn the brightness down on my iPad because, you know, I'm old. (laughs) Sorry, guys. So, who? what is this story? This is the Lululemon murders, which, when I first heard this, I was like, Lululemon? What the hell is Lululemon? It sounds like a juice bar or something. It does. And so, I was like, some, and that's exactly what I thought was like, did somebody get, because I thought it was like something like Smoothie King. And yeah. I was like, did somebody get murdered at a smoothie shop? But in fact, it's actually like this very extravagant, bougie clothing store. How bougie? <laughs> well, actually, Tina asked me yesterday, she said, how much are their leggings? And I said, you know... I never really looked into that, even though I probably should have. The leggings at Walmart are, what, eight, nine bucks? Fifteen, sometimes. Oh, really? they gone up. So, for decent leggings, you'd probably look at, what, 30? You would think, maybe. Yeah, so I what? would say for Walmart, but, you know, somewhere else. So, what are these? The cheapest pair is $88. For some damn leggings? For the cheapest pair, $88. The most expensive pair is God. For some leggings? For some leggings. What the fuck? I I don't even spend more than 25 bucks on some jeans. This is the $88 ones. No, that's like some camouflage shit or something. It's animals. Look. Is it? They're Uh, rabbits. uh, They're like rabbits made Uh, to look like red camouflage. Yeah. That is not worth... Uh, how much? $88. That is not worth $88. These are $158. They don't even look good, really. <laughs> I mean, they they kind of look like she, I don't know, rubbed right here at her crotch raw and everything else is like... I mean, I ain't t- I'm not talking bad if you own Lululemon, you know, material, of course. I'm not... I, I don't want to sound no, like we're bashing mean, like, them. It's not worth, I don't think, $158. Unless, I mean, I'm sure the material's a lot better. There than... better be something for $158. <sighs> I 
But they you ever know. put them on themselves or something? <laughs> <laughs> That's because we're poor. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're just poor and sour. So I buy a lot of my clothes at the thrift store. Lululemon, <laughs> don't sue us, please. Please don't. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like I said, it is a yoga type attire store you know they really try to develop that peace love and happiness type vibe you know and oh i mean that's good i i mean i like what they stand for which is why i said please don't sue us because i do like the company it's just the pricing is well yeah i'm looking at the pricing of the products with no knowledge of the company right and so i mean like i said they they are a decently cool company good company there's that but give you a little background story on lululemon itself just you know so you understand that they're you know not like my naive ass and thought that they were a new brand of smoothie king (laughs) (laughs) the first one opened up in 1998 in vancouver canada so they were they were originally canadian okay and throughout the years you know they began to get some popularity but they didn't really take off until like 2010 so 2010 was when they first really started going off the ground. And then a year later, they become famous for something else. Not something you really want to be known for, <laughs> a.k.a. a murder. No, that's not something you want to be known for. <laughs> <laughs> so, per usual, just get straight into the cut of it. But I want to kind of give you first the little backgrounds of the victim, and then I'll also talk about the person who committed the murder. Um, so we'll start out with the victim. Her, she was 30 years old at the time. Her name was Jana Murray. And so Jana is, I hate to use this typical phrase of, you know, the person that everybody says that whenever she walks in, like her smile lights up the room, you know, she was very, she was known to be very sweet, very caring, very personable. You know, she wanted, she was a family person. She was all about, you know, taking care of her people, you know, taking care of herself, you know, and those that she cared for. Those are the ones that usually get fucked over. <sighs> yeah, it is. So, Jaina was, at the time, attending graduate school, um, working on her master's degree uh, in business administration at Johns, Johns Hopkins University. I cannot talk. John Hopkins University. Thank you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty well-known school. Yeah, I went to that. I was like, okay, girl. Yeah, yeah. And so, she got the job at Lululemon because she was wanting to try to expand because she liked to also take trips and you know just do a lot of things go on adventures so she just wanted a little extra money yes and she was also trying to earn money there to be able to attend seminars you know to help further her education you know because she can yeah they are expensive to go to yes so let's also talk about the person who committed the murder um her co-worker 29-year-old Brittany Norwood was fairly new to Lululemon. How long had uh, Jaina Jaina worked there? I don't know exactly how long she'd been working there, but she'd been working there long enough to be able to have like something like a manager role. I don't think she necessarily was a manager, but she was was at least like a key holder. A key holder. Yeah, that's the position. Yeah, I was like, I can't think of the term for it. But yeah, so Brittany had just recently moved to Maryland. Which also, like I said, the story also takes place in Bethesda, Maryland. Again, Bethesda. I cannot talk today. Bethesda. Bethesda. <laughs> we'll get into more details into that later. Like I said, Brittany's fairly new to Lululemon, and Jaina and her one night, you know, they start working a shift together. Other coworkers have said that they've never seen them have any type of disputes before. They're basically, you know, to just have the normal coworker type relationship of, you know, just being cordial. They weren't friends necessarily, you know. But they got along working. Yes. I've got people like that. It wasn't, you know, like I said, I have any animosity towards you. I'm just here to work. Yeah. And I just go work home. here. Right. Specifically the night of March 11th, 2011. As I said, Jaina and Brittany were supposed to be working a shift, and it was the closing shift at the local Lululemon in, I need you to help me here, Bethesda. <laughs> I only know it because they're the ones that did Fallout Is it video Bethesda? game. Bethesda? Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah. So it's like, the Okay. So Bethesda, Maryland. I, I feel so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> so Lululemon, I don't know if they still have this policy, so they had a security sub- security policy <laughs> a security policy that at the end of each shift, especially if it was closing shift, each worker had to check the other one's bags to make sure they didn't steal anything. To make sure that they didn't steal anything. I don't 
still to this day understand why there was no like security officer or security in general at the store. I've worked in a lot of places and I've had security like check me on the way in or out like Amazon. They had uh, metal detectors. I've never had another employee check me. Course, I would not be okay with that. Again, I'm not talking shit about the company, but it's I... It's not a very good practice, though. As but, we continue... I mean, obviously, there, uh, there was a murder, you know, spoiler alert, but I personally feel in my gut this never would have happened if this policy was a thing. Yeah, you and get what I'm I saying? mean, again, don't really necessarily blame them. I mean, you don't know until something happens sometimes. Right, but... But yeah, I, th- <laughs> I don't think this was the best idea. So that particular night, Jaina was going through Brittany's bags and she discovered a pair of leggings in the bottom part of her bag. And Jaina approached Brittany and she asked them about them. She said, hey, just, you know, checking. Do you have a receipt for these to prove that you bought them? Brittany told her no. She said, I don't have a receipt because I bought them from this coworker." And Jaina was like, okay, well, that's cool. So she called the coworker to try to, you know, see if that's really what happened because, you know, you need valid proof right. that this really Make happened. Right, sure didn't steal them. The coworker said she had no idea what in the hell Brittany was talking about and she never sold her shit. Oh, shit. You know, it never has been confirmed if Jaina necessarily confronted Brittany or if Brittany just, you know, knew, fuck, I'm caught, you know, this is it, you know, the jig is up. And so they go to continue to close up the store and approximately about 9.45 is whenever they're leaving the store. Six minutes later, Jaina calls the manager and she, you know, and tries to inform her of finding the leggings in Brittany's bag. Just trying to do her job the right way. Yes. And to give her a heads up of, hey, I found this. I'm just letting you know because, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. While she's doing this, you know, because like I said, Brittany is still very new to this job. She doesn't have Jaina's number. She calls another coworker and says, hey, I left my wallet in the store can you, by chance, give me Jaina's number so I can call her and let her know? Because, as we said, Jaina was a key holder. Right. And so, the employee sent Brittany the phone number. And so, Brittany called Jaina and was like, Hey, I left my wallet inside the store. Would you mind going back to, with me and, you know, helping me get my wallet? That was about approximately at 10.05 p.m. So, about 20 minutes after they left. Yes. So, the girls re-entered the store and... It's, we'll kind of somewhat get into the details of what happened, but around that time, shortly after, because there, it's kind of like what I understand to be like a, um, a strip mall. I was like, what is okay. the word I'm looking for? It's kind of like a strip mall. All these buildings are like really close together. There was a, a neighboring Apple store who was literally, you know, like sharing the same wall. They said that they could hear two women talking, and, but they could particularly hear, you know, a girl saying, please don't do this. Please talk to me. What's going on? And then for the next 10 minutes, they hear a bunch of just noises that sound, you know, such as like slight moaning and dragging and sounds like somebody being hit. They didn't decide to call 911 or something. There was one particular employee who wanted to get help and she approached the manager and she said, hey, do you not hear what I'm hearing? I really think something's going on. I think we need to get help. And the manager just kind of told her, you know, don't worry about it. It's just drama. Um, yeah, it's drama. And so, 10 minutes later, after all this approximately happened, they could hear the same voice, but, or sorry, not really necessarily the same voice, but they could hear a voice saying, God help me, please help me. Oh, that's fucking sad. And they still thought it was just drama. They didn't do anything. That's sad. That's Um, very sad. So, approximately around 11 o'clock is when that employee who was concerned, she, and there's a reason why I'm pointing out all these time frames. The employee who was really concerned, she supposedly left around 11 o'clock that night. But again, nothing was done at all that night. Nobody really said anything. Again, they just chalked it up to being drama and so on and so forth. They moved on. The following morning, the manager that Jaina had called to, you know, report the leggings to, uh, you know, that Brittany had possibly stolen, had walked into the store. She walked up to the door and she was instantly, you know, kind of taken off guard because she noticed that the door was unlocked. And she goes to open up the door and the lights are still on and she sees 
just merchandise from the store, just everywhere. Like the place had just been ransacked or something? Yes. Completely strewn all over the floor. And there was particularly two tracks of blood, or sorry, two footprints that were, you know, in blood running up and down like just in a row throughout the store. So she just, you know, like any other normal normal person would, is kind of like, um, I'm... Not sure what's going on here, but I don't know if I feel comfortable going into this by I myself. Wouldn't. I would turn right around. Nope. A- again, I think I don't know. I mean, I've opened stores for different companies, and I've gone in whenever I wasn't expecting someone to be there, but someone else had beat me there. But I think if I had seen a ransacked, I'd I'd just turned around. Nope. She did think that maybe somebody was there because, you know, like I said, the door was unlocked and the light was on. And so she did walk in there, you know, before she decided to run out. And she said, hello, hello, you know, to see if maybe somebody would come out or would say something. And then she heard like a moaning coming from back oh, in the no. back of the store. And that's when she lost her shit. And she was like, I, I, you know, on top of seeing the blood and all the merchandise everywhere and then hearing that, she walked back out again to the neighboring Apple store. Apple, you know, seems to play a huge part in this. Uh, I mean, (laughs) it kind of happens when you have business neighbors like that, though. True. That particular morning, you know, she walks outside and there is a Apple employee who's there two hours early because the store, Apple store, wasn't supposed to open until I think like 10 o'clock that morning. And he was there two hours early to try to buy the second generation iPad. That's a while ago. So I was going to tell you kind of like where we were. That's like what, 12 years ago now? Going on 12 years ago now. Yes. And so he's just minding his own business, you know, waiting to be the first in line to get this new iPad. And Rachel is the name of the manager, walks up to him and kind of explains everything, you know, says, hey, I just walked into my store. There was something that happened that concerned me. Um, Would you mind coming in here with me? Because I don't feel comfortable going by myself. And he says, sure. He said, you know, I'll walk in there with you. So the Apple employee goes to walk into the back of the store where, you know, because he too starts saying hello, I guess because Rachel may have told him, hey, I heard somebody, I think maybe somebody may still be alive. Um, So the employee, the Apple employee walks to the back and he discovers Jaina and she's lying in a pool of her own blood. And she's obviously unconscious, and he's assuming that, she, she, that she's already dead. He goes up further, because you'll kind of, which like I said in more details here in a minute, Jaina was like towards the back door of the store. And so he was walking back up, and then he had heard more moaning, and he opened up the employee bathroom where he had found Brittany. Brittany seemed to be unconscious, and so he originally had told... Rachel, the manager, to call the cops whenever he found Jaina and said, hey, I think this person's dead. I need you to just go ahead and call 911 and let them know, you know, what's going on. So she did and she called the police and she said, hey, you know, she gave the idea about, I think somebody's broken into my store. There's somebody here who obviously we assume is dead. And then she had to make another call to let them know that they had found Brittany and that Brittany seemed that she was okay. You know, that she was at least alive. So the police arrived. How, how exactly did they find her? Like in the bathroom? She was but... in the bathroom and she was... So, yeah, I forgot to kind of add in the part about how Brittany was found, which is highly important. She was found with her... Ri- I'm sorry, her legs zip-tied and her arms were zip-tied above her head. And she also seemed to have cuts on her chest, arms, legs, and had some across her forehead. And so the police arrive shortly after and they start investigating everything. And that's whenever they look more into Jaina. And whenever, you know, like I said, she was laying in a pool of her own blood. Supposedly, Jaina had suffered up to 331 injuries. Holy shit. And at least uh, out of those 331 injuries, um, 100, I think it was 107 of those were defensive wounds. So she was alive for a long for time. For most of this. Holy shit. And at least five different weapons were used on her. Also, I forgot to add, when Brittany was found, too, the crotch of her pants was ripped open. And they had also discovered this with Jaina, that the crotch of her pants were ripped open as well. That's ripped also open? Ripped open. At the crotch? Yes. Not, like, necessarily cut, but literally, like, ripped. Of course, you know, I know nobody can see me, but yeah. you know, I'm doing, like a, like, a pulling motion, but... 
Yeah, they. That's odd. Usually, Tina did bring like up that, a good point. You they know, just rip the pants off. Yes, and that's exactly what Tina had said. As you see, there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies, but we'll cover all that again. I hate to keep saying that, but you know, we'll we'll get to all that in, in well, a minute. It seems to be a, an ongoing theme: inconsistencies, inconsistencies leading to you're going to be found out. Yeah, that that's. I will say Brittany is very good at trying to, you know, do a lot of the persuading and, you know, the the yeah, storytelling. Yeah, we've this. seen that happen a few times. So let's also kind of get into poor Jaina here for a minute. Again, like I said, 107 of those were defensive wounds. So, of course, you know, you would think that they were probably like on her arms and legs, you know, where she was yeah. trying to fight back. Her head and face mainly was what took it. And they were badly bruised. And she also had a rope around her neck whenever she was found. So she was strangled, too. Yes. It was also determined that majority of the injuries that she took, the goal was not to kill her, but to torture her. Oh, that's fucked. And what had ended up killing her in particular was a stab wound that pierced her brain and severed her spinal cord. Holy shit. Stab wound with what? I'm not exactly sure. I I know uh, there was a knife in here. But the injuries that Jaina had taken were so severe that her family couldn't even have an open casket for her at her funeral. That's sad. And again, you know, like I was talking about with the the spinal cord when it was cut, the intention of that was to make it to where she couldn't fight back. Again, like I said, she had 107 defensive wounds. So I'm assuming that had occurred first and then they cut the spinal cord and then continued to beat her. That was probably the case just because they were probably tired of trying to do what they wanted while she was fighting back. True, yes. That's fucked up, man. The police continued to, you know, investigate because they too were kind of like, what the hell did this to her? And among some of the things that they had found, which... Out of all places, the items came from the store's toolbox. The store's toolbox? The store's toolbox. And inside the toolbox was a hammer, a knife, a merchandise peg, which I looked into that to figure out what that was. It's a peg that they use to hang up the mannequins on the walls to kind of help make them stand up. Okay, so like heavy-duty steel type. Yes. And a rope, which, you know, as I had mentioned, was around her neck, and a box cutter. So basic maintenance shit for any store. But I was looking at the evidence pictures. These knives are not normal knives. They had, they were jagged knives. Like a serrated knife? Yes. Almost a bread knife? Yes. I know you said they were real long or something. They were long and then, you yes, a serrated knife. And I'm thinking, what is... Unless they had like some, some kind of polystyrene thing they had to cut. I don't see why they would need a bread knife, serrated knife, or anything like that. Uh, how about we ask our listeners? Maybe see yeah. if they figure out. Maybe they know. Maybe y'all work in some retail and can uh, let us know. Because I'm very curious. I mean, the box knife makes sense. Yeah. Or, I mean, the box Open cutter makes sense. And stuff. The hammer makes sense, you know, to kind of like hammer in the, I mean, the pegs or whatever. You never a hammer for. And, but I, I... Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why you would need a long knife. Police also looked into blood splatter at the crime scene, and it was determined that Jaina was attacked while she was also standing, crouching, and attempting to move closer to the back door, which is where, like I said, her body was. She had managed to get away from her killer, and she had made it to the door and didn't make it. I've seen a little bit of the crime scene photos. Can you describe that? Because I think describing that would really kind of help people understand well first of all they can also look it up if they you want can to. look it up i don't think we're going to be posting these on facebook or instagram they are a little graphic a little it's a bloody mess the best it's way rough. that i can describe it is a narrow hallway covered in blood it's like you can't even see the floor because of all the blood. But like I said, the poor girl took 331 injuries and... Hits, cuts, hits. stabs. And some things were used with a blunt object. Yeah, it probably just split her open in some places. That's sad. <sighs> I don't want to think about it, unfortunately. So, of course, Brittany was immediately taken into the hospital because she was seen as, you know, surviving victim of this horrible, heinous crime. Oddly. And police also continued to investigate at that time to look more into things. They had also noticed that not only was, you know, there blood everywhere, 
again, you know, I noticed, or I mean, mentioned those shoe prints. Yeah, yeah. There were two sets. There was two sets. One was extremely big, which was seeming to be a male fourteen size 14 shoe. And the other one was this little teeny tiny looking size. I don't necessarily have the size shoe on that one. We'll say like a five or seven, you know, like. Just a, like if women's. it were oh and women <laughs> oh so tiny shoes. I'm not necessarily saying women's, but I'm just saying like it, that's to give you an idea of how small it was. Oh, you know, because like I said, you got this gigantic set and then you have so this small set. If you're looking at it that size way, you'd be looking more like an eight in women, if it were women. Maybe yeah yeah seven or eight. Okay, so we're looking at a small foot. Yes, I got you. I a got significantly you. small 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 foot. Which there are some <laughs> men that definitely have. Feet like that. Yes. I've seen some some small shoes on men. I hate. I love my grandfather, and he's gonna get mad at me for calling him <laughs> out here. I love you, Pop, but he actually can wear size seven women's shoes. Holy cow! Really? I didn't know that. Which like, is, I knew he had smaller feet, but I didn't. Which is why I said, like, he could literally okay. wear my shoes. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> we still love you, Pops. I had to tell you a funny story after we get done recording because I'm not gonna put him on blast like that. Brittany was seen as this survivor of surviving this, you know, heinous crime. And this, I mean, the, the, why can I not fucking talk? The public, you know, really looked at her, not necessarily as a hero, but they really were like rooting for her because, you know, Jana, of course. She survived this horrible thing. Yeah. I still think it's a little suspicious. Well, like I said, she, I can't necessarily disagree with you and say that the police didn't either because they did. Um, they... I mean, you know, that, that's a lot of attack on just one of them for so minimal on the other. I, I do agree. When she did get to the hospital, though, they made sure that, you know, because she was a surviving person, they, you know, try to do any type of test to collect any type of DNA. They had also done a um, a rape kit. They did a rape kit on her as well because, you know, it was suggested that she was sexually assaulted. Oh, her crotch. And the, the crotch. Pants of her crotch uh, were the pants, raped. Yes. So... Nothing is really brought up after that until the following day, on March 12, 2011, Montgomery County detectives arrive at the local hospital and start to question Brittany. They talk to her for about 45 minutes, and then after they talk to her, the detectives then go back to the store to kind of like, I guess, get a visual of everything, and then they decided to go back to the hospital immediately after talking to her to get a little bit more details of, you know, what had happened that night. Brittany recalled that, you know, she had informed them of her forgetting about her wallet and needing to go back into the store to get the wallet. And when she and Jaina entered the store, that two masked men were walking right behind them and entered the store with them. And once they entered to entered the store, they ordered them to, you know, go to the back of the store where they proceeded to try to assault them and attempted to rape them. And they attempted to rape them with clothes hangers from the store, you know, that was holding up the merchandise. I've heard a lot of really weird things for rape and any kind of sexual assault, really. But I've never heard a clothes hanger. I haven't either. And I've heard, like, you know, like a botched abortion type thing. And maybe they're the the wider hangers or whatever. I looked it up. But... I looked at the hangers, and it's one of those that has like the wooden base, and it's a really thick metal that. So they're the nice hangers. They're very nice hangers. I still think that's odd. I would see something like a screwdriver handle or something before that. I didn't really think about more of it because it made me just hurt to think about it. To be honest I mean, with you, it's a disgusting thing. I mean, no but what it is, Brittany but... didn't necessarily say that they had sex with Jaina because she said that the reason why Jaina was killed was because the perpetrator or you know, the two men, one of the men, attempted to have sex with Jaina. She refused, and that's why she was killed. And Brittany said that she was able to survive because she willingly had sex with them because they watched. She watched right. them murder Jaina. I've seen. In, well, I haven't seen instances like that, but I've heard about instances like that. It's a survival thing. And they were told they told Brittany that they let that he let her live because she he had fun having sex with her. That's that, sick. I, I I I completely agree. Um. So six days later, on March eighteenth, at approximately four o'clock in the afternoon, police returned back to the hospital to continue to talk to Brittany more about the sexual assault and asked her to describe the two men in detail. Brittany said that both of the men were wearing black clothing, a ski mask, and that they were also wearing gloves. 
She said that she wasn't able to see their faces or, you know, any of their skin. And she just kind of judged by their voices that they were two Caucasian men. Okay. And that her attacker was approximately heavier set and he was six foot tall. And that Jana's attacker was about the average build and that he was... I've seen some sources say 5'3 and some sources say 5'5. So around in that area. Okay, so either way we're going for a shorter person. Yes. And then again, like I said, he was like average to medium build. The police start looking into this and, you know, start putting the word out. Also at that time, Lululemon had put out a reward of, I believe it was like $1,500, you know, to try to see if they could find these attackers, you know, because of what they had done. I don't mean this as an attack in any way, but you charge how much for leggings? You lost someone that was an employee. You couldn't put more than $1,500 out. Well, I guess you can't say much because, hell, governors don't even put out more than like 5000 <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> you know I have no filter with that. <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that part. Brittany began to talk more about, you know, the sexual assault in more detail. And she said while this was occurring that, that she was being called derogatory racial slurs and that she was also being called a dirty slut. I I don't know. I just have a hard time believing this because, hear me out here, these are two Caucasian men. She is African American. I hate to put race into this, but, you know, I... Well, it sounds just, like she put race into it. She is African American and Jaina is Caucasian as well. They're t- saying racial slurs to Brittany, but yet they kept her alive because she willingly had sex with them, but they killed Jaina. Yeah, that that doesn't make a lot and of sense if they're dogging her. Brittany only had superficial wounds on her, again, chest, arms, <laughs> legs, and the top of her forehead. Which, anytime I've seen that in any kind of show, it's they did it to themselves. I'm not saying that you're not wrong. I have a feeling that's what the cops are thinking, too. Brittany then, you know, continued to talk about it a little bit more in detail and said that she had done more or less like what the attackers had wanted her to do because she was scared because she felt that they had her information, like her personal information, because they had went through her things and they had gotten her information off a utility bill in her purse. So once Brittany's family had found out that these supposed attackers may actually know, like, where she physically lives, because to my knowledge, I think she may have lived with her family or her parents, they had attempted to talk her into moving back to Seattle, where she originally was from. Brittany denied going or wanting to go back to Seattle because she said that she had just received a new job position in Bethesda. Right. <laughs> yes, Bethesda. Bethesda. <laughs> I'm second guessing how I say this word now. If this ever goes out to Bethesda, I can see them like making fun of me for saying this wrong. I'm sorry, Marilyn. (laughs) (laughs) Police then decide to return to the crime scene to kind of just look for Jaina's car. And they notice that it's not in the parking lot. They start looking around for it and they find the car three blocks away in a neighboring parking lot. Oh, that's not very far. They start, you know, looking... Instantly, whenever they walk up to the car, they see blood. And they, you know, of course, test for the blood. And the results of the blood come back to be Jaina's and Brittany's, which will be important here in just a few minutes. The blood that was found on the car was found on the door handle, the steering wheel, and the gear shift. So more or less, you know, to open up the door, get in the car, and, and to drive it. And, you know, police are still at this time thinking that these were these supposed attackers that, you know, Brittany had described were still on the loose. And that, you know, so the community at the time, of course, was kind of up in arms because they were scared to death of, like, what could possibly happen to them. Yeah, you have no idea who attacked. So, Detective Dimitri, and again, like I had just told Shelby, I apologize, my accent is going to butcher this last name, Ruiven had stated that he just had this little voice in the back of his head telling him something's not right. Everything that he, you know, continues to look into is not adding up. And he said that the way that Brittany describes these two guys are that they're racist, they're rapists, they're robbers, they're murderers. And, you know, it's kind of like they're the worst human beings that you could possibly think of. Yeah, it doesn't sound like any kind of typical MO. That's too much for one. And that's what I was thinking. Because, you know, to back it up, you know, in terms of whenever the police were looking back, there was 
I, I don't remember how many bags were gone out of the safe, but the safe was open. There was three. Okay. There was three bags missing out of the safe, you know, money bags. And so they were like, okay, so this was a robbery. So maybe, you know, that's what happened. And then that's when they later found out that not only is this a robbery, this is a murder scene. And then, you know, Brittany was like, but we also got sexually assaulted. So then this is also like a scene where, you know. Molly was calling her racial slurs. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a little much. That's a little much. I could see like two of them, but not four of them. I agree. And also, as they were continuing to do this, the police were also made uh, aware of the report about Jaina the night of the murder, you know, reporting to the manager about finding the stolen leggings. So then that's... So that makes her look real suspicious. Yes. And so the police started, you know, putting everything together. And also, to add the little cherry on top, the police had also received the medical evidence implying that there was absolutely no sexual assault that had occurred at the time of the murder. To either of them? Either of them. Oh. Wow. So, there's that. Let's fast forward to March 16th, 2011. At approximately 6 o'clock p.m., detectives ask Brittany to come in for the third time for questioning, but this time it's at the police headquarters. They, you know, had gathered all this information. They are starting to piece their story together, and they're beginning to question kind of, you know... Is Brittany really telling us the truth? It don't sound like it. They begin to talk to her more about, in particular, Jaina's car. And ask her if she, you know, knows what type of car Jaina had owned. If she had ever been in the car. Brittany denied everything about the car. She said she had no knowledge of the car. She didn't know what it looked like. And she claimed that she had never, ever been in this car before. As I had said before, the police had already gotten blood samples. And there was... Her blood was in the car. Mixed with Jaina's. But she doesn't know that. But she doesn't know this. Yes. So she's telling the police this entire time. No, I don't know this car. I've never even been in it. I don't even know what it looks like. I, you know, I I don't know what you're talking about. Due to that, the police are becoming even more suspicious of Brittany. Because, you know, she's continuing to deny every single thing that they're saying. Even though that they know better, you know, than everything else. And also to add on top of that, you know, as I had mentioned whenever they had found Brittany. She was bound, you know, at the legs with zip ties. And her arms were found above her head which police later indicated that this was something that they knew that she could have done by herself because most of the time if you're being, you know, kidnapped or, you know, uh, robbed or something, they're, even the police, when they handcuff you most of the time, they put your hands behind your back. Yeah, it's behind your back so you can't do anything. If your arms are above your head, I mean, you could sit time in front of you and lift your arms up. Exactly. And so the police are kind of like, okay, that's... So basically all of her story versus the evidence, they're not adding up together. And let's go back to these two sets of footprints that I had mentioned earlier that was found at the store, you know, during the crime scene. The supposed heavyset guy and the short guy? Yes. One of those shoe prints was indeed Brittany's. And then, like I said, the other one was a size 14 male shoe, which, wait for it, happened to be on display at the store for sale. She put those motherfucking shoes on. And so police kind of asked her, okay, so you're telling us that there was two men that attacked you and Jaina, right? And Brittany said, yeah. And they said, okay, so tell us why there was only one set of male footprints and then your footprints are right there with it. Did we only see two? Yeah. There should uh, at least been three. You're busted. And, you know, she continues to act like, you know, I don't know what the fuck y'all talking about. So the police continue to look into this. They, you know, want to get more information judging off of Brittany's character. Prior coming to Bethesda, Brittany had went to Stony Brook University in New York and she played soccer and was at one point obviously really good at playing soccer because she was named defensive most valuable player for the school. Uh, So, I mean, she had to be pretty freaking good at soccer. The police continued to kind of, like, talk to her friends in New York and talk to, you know, her fellow, um, I was going to say, teammates from soccer. One of her former friends slash classmates has said that she used to be really close to Britney. She attempted, you know, she really liked Britney, but Britney ended up stealing a name brand, I believe it was a t-shirt and money away from her, or from her. So she's got a little sticky finger problem. Just just a little. And it was also determined that every single one of the soccer teammates that was on Britney's team was also becoming aware of this. And they all had to lock up all their things to keep 
Brittany from stealing it. And so this eventually led to her being expelled from school, which is why she ended up in Maryland. Nobody likes a thief. So this is not looking so hot for her because again, as I had said, the police were also aware of what Jaina had said to the manager about Brittany taking these leggings. And so they were like, well, that makes perfect sense now. That's the motive. Yeah, she wanted to get away with stealing those leggings. You know, that's the... And I think that's why the story always sticks with me is because I'm like, this poor girl, a.k.a. Jaina, suffered 331 stab wounds, or, you know, stab wounds, any type of wounds, you know, something. Injuries. Injuries. Yeah. Over a pair of fucking leggings. Look, I get they're expensive, but they ain't worth all that. I mean... They really ain't. It's, 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 I I just... You work for a few hours and get the money yourself. You would think her working there, you know, right, you you know, you can work, you can save up, you you know, you can do it, but, you know, people have no morals. No, they don't. So the following day on March 17th, 2011, police happened to receive a phone call from Brittany's siblings, her brother and her sister, saying that they had information that Brittany had disclosed to them regarding Jana's car and that she had withheld the information from police because she was worried that the attackers, you know, were going to return to her home and kill her. So the police dragging the family in. She, I mean, I really honestly do agree with that. Like she's trying to take everybody down with her. Mm-mm. The siblings reported that Brittany had told them that she in fact did go inside of Jana's car and that the attackers made her move it. Uh, yeah. So if you ask me, I think, you know, let's kind of like fast forward or I mean, kind of like rewind again to the very beginning. All of this also happened because, you know, she started feeling... She knew she fucked up. She knew she was caught. So that's what led her to killing Jaina, right? Right. So now the police are asking her about this car, and she's thinking, fuck. i come up with a new story. They got me, you know, so I have to do something now to cover my ass for this. So I'm going to tell, you know, like, like you said, she has kind of like a word vomit. Just trying to, yeah. you know, find up things to cover up her ass for... All the things that she supposedly, you know, didn't do. And, you know, one lie has to snowball into another lie and so on and so forth, right? That's how it goes. So on March 18th of 2011, the police bring Brittany back into the station to continue to question her. And they're having just, you know, cordial talking, just chit-chatting at the moment. And without even being prompted, Brittany just brings up Jana's car. And she goes on to tell the police about, you know, kind of to mimic off of what the siblings had said, that the attackers made Brittany move the car to a different parking lot because they didn't want to draw attention and they were thinking that maybe if the car went missing that they would think that maybe Jaina was missing. I don't understand the the motive behind that, but whatever. Uh. And so Brittany continues to say that... The attackers told her she had exactly 10 minutes to move the car from outside the store at Lululemon, three blocks down to the neighboring parking lot, and that she was not allowed to look at anybody, talk to anybody, and if she did, she would, they were going to kill her. I'd have taken off. Her story has so many holes. The police asked her that. They said, why did you not go anywhere? What were you doing? And she said, well, I actually, you know, happened to see a policeman patrolling by while I was doing that. But I didn't say anything because I was scared that these attackers were watching me like they said and that they were going to do something to me. And I just didn't drive away because I feared for my life. And so that's why I returned to the store. Well, clearly these supposed attackers didn't have guns. They didn't have their own weapons at all, supposedly. Right, because they used the, the tool bag yeah. out of the store. And so, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> she didn't think this through. No, she really didn't. She, she really, really did. So there's a clip that I had found from um, one of my YouTube videos that you had actually had watched with me earlier. Um, and it is actual video evidence of the, you know, questioning happening about the car. Her interrogation. In her interrogation okay. that led to everything. And I just found it interesting because you're actually able to hear what she said and can you can hear her voice and how she talks about it and how she's nonchalant about it and she's just like i don't know what the fuck y'all talking about you know like i just did this because i feared for my life and i saw what they did to Jaina, and i was just so terrified so if you wouldn't mind you know us pausing this for a second and you listening to that clip and then of course you know we're going to add this on here so our listeners can hear it but it's not that long it's just like a few minutes i think it would be interesting just to kind of hear yeah, let's check it out. Explain to you guys how it 
that night played out. Mm -hmm. Prior to him sexually assaulting me and zip tying me, they made me move her car. Okay. I know where her car is. Um, and they seemed to know where it was, where she was parked. Okay. They asked, they said, where are her keys? I have no idea. I don't, one of them punched me in my head and made me look through her coat and her bag for them. When I finally found them, um, they said if I was to pass to anyone and open my mouth, I can consider myself dead. And that one of them would be watching the entire time. Um, and I honestly don't remember the exact lot, but they said to like, I don't know, like cross, it's almost like on the other side of Wisconsin or something okay. from that street. I remember seeing a cop and I was just too scared to even flag him down do anything. Was that like when you left the store or when you were parked? When I left the store. So when you first left the store, okay. And he was driving past in his car? I think so. Okay. On my knees. Okay. Were you straddling her or were you actually physically like pancaked on top of her or what? They pushed me on her. You touched her head. You touched her head? With what? And slid to the ground. Okay, so your hands got in the blood on either side of her? Yes. Okay. I know it's hard. And blood all over. Yeah, blood all over you. And then what? And what did he say anything to you when he pushed you down? It's my fault. For, okay. This, this is because of you. Well, you get just listen to it. Tell me kind of briefly what you what you feel think about that. I feel like she realizes she's been caught. She's trying to come up with some shit, but it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And her body language, she's just crouching over, or not really crouching, she's leaning over, you know, very nonchalant. And very nonchalant. As she's talking, she's just talking, and then, you know, she'll stop for a second, and, um, uh, you know. She's really thinking about it. You can tell it, right, like, in the moment, she's trying to figure out, well, what the fuck am I going to say this time, and what am I going to continue to say? So, police were continuing to obviously pick up on this bullshit. I want to know why in the fuck she thinks that they would believe that she was so scared that she would move the car and go back to her attackers and not flag down a cop. It doesn't make any sense. She sticks by her story that, you know, she was terrified and that... No sense. You know, she was feared of for her life, which you can hear her saying that in the, you know, in the video or the soundtrack of, you know, her it explaining that. It doesn't make sense, though. Well, the police continue to ask her, you know, and try to question her because, you know, like you said, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. They're not buying the bullshit. And she begin, she begins to become really frustrated by it and continues to ask them... Well, why are you continuing to ask me this? You know, I've already told you, and I've already said this, and I've already said that. Well, you've already lied about it all, too. And the police more or less would bring that up, and they're like, you know, we're kind of onto your bullshit. They then inform her about the evidence coming back, saying that there was no sexual assault, and that they had done all the character witnesses and done all the things, and at that moment, they then place her under arrest. Good. And you would think that, you know, more or less the story ended there, but it kind of doesn't. It, you know, still has a few more twists and turns and... Oh, my God. A little bit of more bullshit we gotta get through. But it does have somewhat of a happy ending, we'll say that. Police, you know, begin to kind of look more into it. They try to figure out what the true events were that happened that day. They finally figure it out, you know, about Brittany telling Jaina about the part, you know, mentioning that she needed to go get her wallet, which led Jaina innocently back into that store and instantly because of that fact people were uh, sorry the police were like 
great, we got it. This is premeditated. You know, she's obviously thought about it because she had to think about some type of motive to do it, you know, to kind of lead to it. But again, nobody really knows if Jaina confronted Brittany that escalated it or I, I, I'm sticking by the fact of she can't hold on to her guilty conscience. So she more or less has to tell on herself. Yeah, it seems like it to me. Police had also, you know, then began to believe more of the fact that, you know, Brittany was kind of freaking out during this and trying to just go, you know, cover it up as she went. But they really started looking more into the fact that she had the superficial wounds where Jaina took 331, you know, blows and serious injuries where she just had, you know, like Brittany just had just a few little cuts here and there and had the crotch ripped out out of her pants. And with no proof of actual sexual assault. Yes. So the police were just kind of, you know, continuing to build their evidence against Brittany and it wasn't working out in Brittany's favor. As the police are continuing to build their case, you know, they're continuing to more or less kind of talk to Brittany to kind of get like little bits of pieces out of here, you know, more about it. And Brittany later on goes on to tell them that whenever she, the reason why she, the true reason why she moved Jaina's car was because she was needing to more or less come up with a reason to figure out how the fuck am I going to explain this? Oh my God. She ended up sitting in Jaina's car after she moved it for over an hour and a half coming up with the story. What the fuck? She tried to tell the police that she ended up like getting out and moving the car around 10 o'clock. That's whenever, you know, she said that she walked out to go get in the car. But the police started thinking, okay, so technically this did not happen until 10.05. That's when they entered the store. And so there's no way in hell at 10 o'clock you're walking out She's and moving lying the car. Even more. And what the fuck? you know, how, remember how I told you that the Apple employee who was concerned, she left around 11. Mm hmm. Obviously, Brittany had to wait out a lot of people so she could get away with this and not be seen because nobody reported seeing a random girl covered in blood walking three blocks back to the Lululemon store after she, you know, moved the car. I guess she would be pretty noticeable. And then on top of that, Brittany waited 10 fucking hours in that store from the time that she killed Jaina until she was found, there was a total of 10 hours that she was in there. That she was left to come up with stories and come up with scheming. And so that's how she was able to take the time to demolish the store and throw all the merchandise everywhere and rip the crotch out of her pants or rip the crotch out of Jaina's pants and take the shoes and mark up everything. And she had removed the, the three bags out of the, the safe to kind of, you know, verify, you know, to show that this was a theft. And that's what she had done within these 10 hours. And she then, panicked and went way overboard. And then that's whenever she decided, you know, to give herself the superficial wounds and then do all the things. And that's what she ended up doing. You know, she, you know, like you said, she more or less had to stage the robbery because she lost her shit. She didn't know how to control it because everything just blew up and got out of hand. And she didn't even do a good job trying to cover it. (laughs) I just, I can't get over the fact that this was all impulsive. She did not even think about what the fuck she was doing. This all just blew up because she was, you know, she was caught. Instead of just owning up for it or possibly losing her job, she decided to commit a murder. That's even worse than fucking theft. It is. Way worse. What the fuck were you thinking? You wasn't, but you know, still. No, not at all. And the fact that she admits, yeah, I moved her car just so I could buy time to try to think about it. And then I sit in the car for an hour and a half and be like, hmm, how the fuck am I going to cover my ass now? That's ridiculous. She really thought she was going to get away with this. She really did, obviously. She went back to the store instead of running or something. Which, she probably would have been caught either way, honestly. And so, let's kind of fast forward to the trial now. On October 26, 2011, was the day that the trial had finally occurred. It lasts for eight days. So, so it's kind of more or less a very clean-cut, short-and-sweet type trial. Oh, she made it pretty easy. True. But Brittany's defense attorneys did put up a fight. They were they would try to deny that the murder was not premeditated and that Brittany in no way had kind of like previously thought this out about how she was going to hurt Jaina. Her attorneys tried to make it seem that it was a more or less just a case of crime of passion. Which they're I... They're trying to just lessen the murder charge. I call bullshit. I call bullshit too. Also, 
Britney's attorneys managed to successfully throw out the, you know, accusations of saying that, or it's not really accusations, the fact that Jaina called the manager to report the theft because they labeled it as hearsay, which then prevented Jaina's attorneys from actually bringing it up to the jurors to using that as the motive as to why they, you know, Britney had committed the murder. That's ridiculous. When I read that, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That is ridiculous. I mean, I know you got a job to do, but what what the fuck? Yeah. Well, I mean, this also didn't really take much longer because even the jury didn't buy their bullshit. They didn't buy Britney's bullshit. She was actually sentenced and found by the jury guilty of first degree murder without the possibility of parole and she had to live out life and she's supposed to she was sorry she was then sentenced to life in prison when this all happened Brittany more or less tried to talk her way out of the sentencing she begged the judge to not sentence her to life saying that she more or less it didn't want it for her but she didn't want her parents to have to suffer witnessing their daughter have to serve out life in oh, prison whatever you tortured this poor lady and as I, you know, had previously said, Brittany continued to basically try to talk her way out of stuff. She had also mentioned to the parents of Jaina, you know, she just said, you know, I would like you to know how deeply sorry I am. And to me, I'm just like, now you're sorry? No, you're sorry you got caught. I agree. I think that really is what it boils down to is you're sorry that you got caught, so I don't want to hear it. Neither did the judge, honestly. He actually told her that, you know, she was a liar and that she, sorry, his direct quote, I believe, says was, that's one hell of a lie, (laughs) ma'am. You know, like she, or one hell of a liar, ma'am, is what he said. And he also continued to tell her, you know, you're basically whining and complying, complaining about everything. But he says, the judge's name was Circuit Judge Robert Greenberg, and he told her, you will live. There will be Christmases, there will be telephone calls, there will be visits. The only visit that Jana Murray will ever get is from her grave. Or, you know, having people that's, come to her grave. That's true. That's sad. That's true. And I also, when I was trying to look up this quote... I stumbled upon it. I did misquote the reward that was offered by Lululemon. I'm sorry. It is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, not fifteen hundred. That's a whole lot better. That well, shit. That makes the governors look bad now. <laughs> Good job, Lululemon. So I'm sorry, Lululemon. Thank you for caring about your employees enough to put up some money like that. And I actually that will say that it goes on. They they're not done yet. Oh, they're not. They're not done yet. But I have to finish out kind of like what happened to Brittany, you know, with everything. Okay. You know, like I said, she was found guilty of first degree murder, sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And she is now currently staying in the Maryland Correctional Institute for Women. Okay. So that's more or less Brittany's story. I want to fill in a little bit on Jaina because this is about Jaina. Fuck Brittany. It is about Jaina. You know? After this was all said and done, the store where the murder happened, it closed for three months because, you know, they had to do a lot of remodeling. They had to obviously clean up the crime scene. I would imagine it would be a lot to do. They had to take a break from the store. So after the three months, they had the grand reopening and they dedicated... This this is really, really pretty. At the very top entrance of the store, it's a mural and stained glass pieces and it says love and cursive on the right hand side of the store and it was dedicated to Jaina. Oh that's nice. And the first day that they had it, you know, her family was there to kind of like, you know, initiate it and you know, were you know, talk about how great of a person she was. And the week that they had opened up, Lulu D- Lemon had done like special yoga classes outside of the store in front of where the mural was and the theme of the week was love because of, you know, that's all that Jaina really represented was love and support. Well, that's really nice of them. I'm really glad to see them doing something like that. And the store now is no longer there in that certain spot. And I was looking into because I was like, when I read that, I was like, well, what about the mural? Right. And they ended up taking out the glass windows and they shipped it to Jaina's father, who now also, I believe, has three more children after Jaina passed away. Oh. But he has, you know, custody of the mural and... 
yeah, that's the story of the Lululemon murders. Really, or, really awesome. You know, as I like to more or less say, Jaina's story and yeah. kind of like talk about the horrific thing that she went through. That's a very tragic story. Just doing her job. Very tragic. If you don't believe just how violent and tragic the story is, if you if you can stomach it, you can find crime scene photos. Yes. The crime scene photo of where her body was, I think, is what gets me. Yes. Just to see just... How much she had to endure right there. And she fought like hell. She did. Fought like hell to, like I said, have 107 defensive wounds. And I also didn't mention this whenever she went to go have her autopsy. The technician doing the autopsy had said that she had never seen this many, this many defensive wounds on a person in her entire career. I imagine because people would probably lose consciousness before then. I, I do agree. I think I've heard about, you know, 30 or 60 or something I, i've never heard quite that many 107 that's really sad which is like i said that's why i try to you know end on a lighter note which i will add pictures of the stained glass window you know so you can see it it's really pretty but now you guys can kind of see why the story kind of stuck with me because again as i've said before i just can't believe that something so just heinous and cruel happened over a fucking pair of 88 to 158 dollar leggings and someone was just trying to do the right thing she was doing her job that that's ridiculous just let people do what they they gotta do just don't do anything stupid so they ain't gotta do anything to you and so you don't have to freak out and try to cover your ass and make it even worse be a good fucking person, man. That's, that's you know, uh, which I was talking to you about this, which, you know, our listeners are soon about to see. You and I subconsciously kind of got ourselves on a, um, a little bit of a, a vibe here. You know, we did very independent yes. women last time, you know, while, and, but now that I'm back, I chose this. And are you wanting to tell them what your next story is going to be? Or are you wanting to wait? I'll, I'll, no, the, I'll go ahead. Uh, my next story is going to be on this, uh, 15 year old kid, Seth Jackson. Who was violently murdered by some more kids. And the theme is kind of going with do the right thing anyways. Don't try to fuck over people, you know, because it just snowballs into just... It never works out. It, it never works out. Don't lie. There's no sense in trying to come up with a story. It never works out. Just do the right thing. But on that note, well, you know, we'll try to pick up the vibes from Lululemon and we'll close out on, you know, some love light and, you know, don't kill your friends. <laughs> yes, please. And it's enough in the world. Don't, don't add to it. Be self-respective humans. And as my mother always says, be vigilant. <laughs> <laughs> I love your mom. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I meant to say this last time when we were recording. I've noticed that everybody is now starting to kind of give us some story suggestions. Keep doing that for one. Yes. For two, we are getting to them, I promise. And three, how about you guys feel about trying to send in some stories that you have firsthand experienced or witnessed? It could be something paranormal. It could be something true crime. Or it could just be something like, dude, like this fucked up thing happened. You're not going to believe this, but There's I'm going to tell you, you anyway. something you read out loud. And we will be more than willing to tell. You know, you can add, add your name. We'll give you a shout out. Or you can stay anonymous. Completely up to you. But um, think about it and let us know how you feel about it. Also, will you guys please do me a favor and kind of let me know what you think about this one? I, you know, have been out of the podcasting world for almost yeah, a month a now. now. And so I was a little rusty. But I wanted to give this story the due diligence that it needed. So let me know how I did. And until the next time. Like I said, love light and don't kill your friends. I love peace and chicken grease. <laughs> Bye, guys. See ya. All research is done by Shelby Hudgens, Courtney Pylant, and Tina Collins. A special thanks to Tina Collins for managing us, and we are a lot to manage. All social media is linked in the description below. Be sure to follow us. And don't forget to leave a rating on wherever you get your podcast. If you have an interesting topic that you'd like to hear on our podcast, please email it to allthingsmacabre.pod at gmail.com. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. Did this episode make you say, What the fuck?